have a very special guest today for our very first guest blah, 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 blah. in story time <laughs> and it is amanda how do you say your last name amanda bauer that's what i was gonna say amanda bauer amanda bauer welcome, <laughs> welcome to story time thank you so a little a little background i know amanda because she is on the music therapy ed now team um and she has a phenomenal following on her very own instagram what is your handle Amanda B. Music Therapy. Oh, that's cute. That is very cute. cute. (laughs) It's cute whenever you say it out loud. Um, (laughs) Whenever you read it, that sounded weird. Okay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like I knew you from social media and then you joined the Music Therapy at Now team. Very fitting because you are so incredible and active on there. Um, And she's had an amazing September takeover so far. I've been so impressed by her. Um, And she's a student. So instead of me telling y'all more about Amanda... You go for it. Take take the wheel. Who yeah. are you? Where do you go to school? Awesome. Awesome. So I'm a senior music therapy major at the University of Miami. I am a contemporary guitar and voice principal. And I'm a psychology and creative American music double minor. Oh, that's so a amazing. whole lot of words. Awesome. Goodness. How many hours are you in this semester? Too bad they changed one of the degree requirements for us last semester. So it took off a class for me. Oh. Um, so only like 15 or 16. Oh, good. Not too crazy then. No, not the 20 that everybody else I know is. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Senior year. Where are you from? I'm from Palm Beach County, Florida. About an hour and a half from here. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So you're a senior music therapy student. Mm-hmm. What made you get into all of this? So many things. I, um, when I was younger, wanted to be a singer as probably most of us did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I love community service. That's something that um, my family has done a lot of. And I just grew up doing a lot of. um, And my mom actually went to UM. And so she knew about music therapy from her undergrad. And so shortened version, I was homeschooled for two years in middle school. (laughs) A very little blip of homeschooling. Um, And she had me do a research project and she's like, do it about whatever you want. And here's this topic you might be interested in because you really like music and you really like people. Um, and so I researched music therapy when I was in like eighth grade and was oh, like, this is awesome. the coolest thing ever. I love this so much and have pretty much just been like dead set on that ever since. Wow. That's, that's like, cool. that's not a very common path. No, I was going to say, it's cool that you no. know it so young and that your mother like yeah. knew of it and was able to give you that information. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, she actually, when she was here, went through a couple majors, and one of them was pre-physical therapy, so she had music therapy friends. Um, Yeah, it's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. I love Mm -hmm. that. So you knew about it from a young age. Obviously, here you are. Mm -hmm. Now that you know more about it, what has you sticking through it? I think that the human connection that we are able to make through the thing that we love the most that's what got me into it in the first place and that's what keeps me going like we get to you yeah 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 that's awesome sorry I feel like I cut you off because I got too excited no you're you're totally fine like that is no I 
yeah, it's it's just like almost hard to put it into words, just how cool it is to like use your creative outlet and something that you're passionate about to help people in a unique way that most people can't. And it's like a research evidence-based like real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. I think for a lot of us, like that human connection is like what like keeps us in music, but like is so unique about music therapy because music's such a human experience. So I love, I love that that's part of your why, like that that's probably the biggest piece of yeah. your why is that it's people. Yeah. That's sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. So what have you seen as a student? What, like what populations have you gotten to work with? Talk a little bit about like what your real life experience yeah. has been like. So my practicum experiences have been different because COVID hit my freshman year. So we start practicum here our second semester of sophomore year. Okay. And everything was um, pretty virtual and pretty much no one was in person for at least my first two practicums. So my first one, yeah, it was a lot of telehealth experience. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So my first practicum, there were three of us um, at a children's hospital, but we saw an individual um, woman in her 20s on dialysis. This is not a typical hospital experience at all. <laughs> yeah. We saw the same person every week, um, individual dialysis, and like through an iPad screen. And, and we were all kind of like, you say that? Yeah, there were three of us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was a journey. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And then my second semester, um, I just had one partner and we were online in adult oncology. Okay. Um, and we pretty much just saw individuals, but we saw a couple different people in our time there. Um, and that virtual experience is a little different because we were both together at least this time. The first semester, we were just all in our separate little boxes. And the next semester, like the two of us were together. We just weren't with our clients. Um, but we were masked because we were together. So our client got to see us from, you know, shoulders up and just uh, part of our face. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. Challenges and then, that like nobody knows how to prepare you for. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody was like going through yeah. them at the same time. Like nobody had the knowledge then. No. To talk about how it would influence our practice. That's crazy. Yeah, it has been a requirement for our one of our assignments at the beginning of every semester, we have to look up research relating to our population. Mm. And they started requiring that one of our articles be about telehealth, music therapy, so that we Is could there? better prepare. Yeah. Is there research on telehealth music yep. therapy? Huh. Morgan did not yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, because now we have to, <laughs> we have to know. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, that's truly, it's a, been, a, I guess, truly a privilege to not have done telehealth music therapy but very sparingly yeah, I can't so, imagine that being a yeah. bulk of my education I'm sure that's been really hard <laughs> it was very interesting like partially the transportation side of things is a little bit easier because most of us yeah. don't have cars here and we're in Miami um that helps mm -hmm. our schedules are so crazy we just like went to a little room for an hour and then went about our days yeah. um but all of us were very ready to be in person and now this point all of our practicums are in person so last semester I had my first in-person semester um I was at an early intervention school with groups of preschoolers in person oh, so that was drastically different than what I had I'm 
I'm sure they had all the energy for you and all I was, the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was by myself that semester, so <gasps> ah! it was <laughs> so much energy. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. And this semester, my fourth, I am at a children's hospital um, with one partner in person, and we are on the GI unit. It's wow. Super awesome. What does that look like? Are you on like a whole floor and like, are you seeing like one specific patient? Are you seeing all the patients? Like, what does that look like on a practice? Yeah. So we're in inpatient medical surgical, but focusing on GI um, and we don't know who we're going to see. We get the census each week and look at who was referred to me to therapy and then just go with whoever needs us. Yes. Sounds like PD needs a Yeah, that's great. <laughs> That's sick. So yeah. I'm curious, Amanda, and I think you kind of might have said this, mm -hmm. but where do you feel the most passion and interest in music therapy right now for you? Pediatrics, for sure. Okay. GI, but also NICU has always been my top. I was a NICU baby, so I've always Aww. felt a little connection there. Yeah, um, I was like one day NICU baby, so not like, <laughs> not that long. Um, but the, my mom had sent me a picture of like me in the NICU and then my first music therapy observation my freshman year before mm -hmm. COVID was in the NICU and it's full circle super super special that's lovely yeah that's awesome yeah so you've had all these telehealth experiences you've had quite a journey yeah. that I'm sure nobody could ever replicate <laughs> in school um where do you feel scared being a senior music therapist yeah like preparing for professional life is there any area that like because of situations out of your control that you feel a little afraid of music therapy or a lot of afraid either one <laughs> <laughs> i think for a lot of us hospice is probably the the biggest because not many of us have had it as a practicum okay. because covid um and personally I'm scared of death and I'm always a little apprehensive about hospice music therapy. For me, I'm very empathic and feel a lot of feelings and get really attached. And I feel like that is a, yeah, that's the one like scary thing that I've had great experiences with kids, great experiences with adults. Um, but end of life is something that's a little intimidating to me. I'll say even in my education, my practicum, practicum experiences were trash. Um, I, had a really <laughs> odd, <laughs> I had a really odd experience um, during my, I did, like it was really weird. I know you did. And then um, COVID hit my last two semesters. Yeah. So, or like last, I guess, mm -hmm. semester and a half. So I had like really weird in-person experiences. And then I had really freaking weird telehealth experiences. So yeah. as far as like your like hospice, I don't even think Belmont even had an opportunity in end of life or hospice. When I went through, really? we went to the same school, Amanda. I don't know if you know that, but I was just a couple years ahead of her. But I, <clears throat> I never had a hospice practicum. Mm -hmm. I don't know of one. Mm -hmm. Me either. Um, really? It's definitely a big gap. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think end of life is something that if given the opportunity, if given the opportunity, you would touch on an internship, but I just don't. And like, please listeners, if like mm -hmm. you've had this experiences, let, like, let me know, let us know 
if like hospice practicum or end of life practicum really exist outside of internship and professional life because that's definitely a gap that I just don't yeah. know if, if it's filled. I mean, I think it depends on like your geographical location because I'm in my master's yeah. right now and I know some undergraduate students that have had plenty of experiences in hospice, but I just mm -hmm. think that's where one that's where the faculty has done like research and like is actively engaged and also that's mm -hmm. where they have practicum available but part of the limitation of our schooling right is we are dependent on the music therapists that are around so if mm -hmm. there's not like a living yeah. breathing music therapist in a hospice yeah. facility or business then we can't have a student with one you know yeah and i can't i mean i don't know any hospice music therapists in nashville right now i'm sure there are some but like i don't i don't know any yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a couple of my friends are at practicum there now and I think part of it is just really the pandemic that because yeah. we're in Miami and we're like part of a huge health system our school has access to so many different kinds of populations and sites usually but the pandemic people were just not allowed in anywhere mm. um, and we also in the midst of that had faculty transition so our connections with those places plus the pandemic were just not functioning as they usually would yeah. and so now they're starting to get back but for a while um even we had like a pretty prominent VA um internship that an uh, internship and practicum placement and things changed with the music therapist there and just partially the time that we're in pandemic wise yeah it's a hard thing that um you don't even know to expect or prepare for as a right. student like you cannot control practicum experiences I know there's some schools where you have to like find your own I cannot imagine ever having to do that really yeah yeah, yeah. so thank I'm god done. I don't have to do that but I mean maybe if you did like you'd even find other opportunities than like what your what your professors could provide yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like in this kind of go to go back to what you initially said like you're like what makes you scared um I don't think that's how you phrased it but you know what I yeah. mean um I'm curious like in your senior year of college going into internship soon like what do you feel like you need to equip you to either face that fear or feel empowered in it um how do you feel like you could be better supported in your community or like through something like this podcast like how do you feel like you could be supported i personally would love to shadow music therapists mm -hmm. on like breaks and things like that um which has also just been challenging because of the pandemic. Like most places just don't let you in. Yeah. Um, but I think having just a professional network of people in all different kinds of populations and um, I'm involved a lot with AMTAC. We're trying to have that be part of our conference is like a different um, kind of round table for every population nice. with a professional in it that knows about it. Mm, and having just a network like that, because I know that at least in the city I'm in, that there are so many music therapists in all right. kinds of places, but we just haven't been able to go there. <laughs> yeah, I hear yeah. that. If you can't observe mm -hmm. other music therapists, like, do, is it like stories that help? Like do stories of other or people's recollections, studies. like what helps? It's hard, I feel like, I think you said this in the last episode too. It's part of just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Which sucks because like then if you don't, yeah, if you don't get the opportunity as a student or as an intern, then what? I mean, you're just supposed to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah, that's definitely the expectation because 
I mean, at least for me with hospice, I would not be comfortable going right into that. Yeah. And that's something that I would want to experience for a little bit of time as a student and have a supervisor and um, not be like the music therapist because not ready for that. Yeah. I think the hard part, like in a lot of our field, right? There are a lot of music therapists around, there are music therapy programs, but there are so many opportunities to like dive in head first and say, I don't know everything that I'm doing, yeah. but I know a piece of what I'm doing. Um, Thinking about like <laughs> when you're first starting something and you don't know everything, it's like transfer, right? So there was this concept yeah. in chart in college, I'm sure you were too. It's like being able to generalize ideas or things or transfer things that you know. And one beautiful tip I've been told multiple times by multiple people is that where I am as the only music therapist, I am the expert in music therapy. So if you were to enter a space, hopefully not, um, but if you were to enter a space <laughs> that you're the only music therapy person present that was an end of life, that was something that you didn't necessarily feel equipped to do, um, I wonder if you feel like you could like lean back on any specific skill or if there's something that you feel like Amanda is really comfortable in um, that maybe you don't need to like just hop in and you know do whatever, but I like to think about it as, okay, if I feel unsafe, where do I feel safe in music therapy and where can I operate from in that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes That's a great point, sense. yeah. And also I think what's important is having that professional network that you were alluding to because whenever you don't yeah. know, you need people to fall back on. Absolutely. And, yeah. And another, I mean, this yeah. whole conversation is pointing to why we're doing this podcast. Like the whole reason we even have a death and dying unit, if you will, um, is so we can have those conversations mm -hmm. for people who don't experience it yeah. and back to what you said about being fearful because you're so empathetic and you're a feeling person same same over here as well one great thing about morgan and i's collaboration as professionals is we are very much on the same page in that and we have a lot of grace for ourselves and each other whenever we can't have grace for ourselves um we've both had moments where it's like should i not be doing this because i feel this no like we are a feeling profession it's going to be what it is. Yeah. So there's no shame in that. And, you know, I think there are some people out there that would say you can't do it because you feel too many feelings or you're too empathetic. But my personal philosophy is that's just not true. No, I, in fact, think it's a power. Like, I think that it's a, a strength to have the ability to sit in someone's feelings with them. It's just what you do when you walk out of the space, right? So to be able to feel someone's feelings yeah. and say, I'm going to choose to be here with you and just do it with you and whatever therapy looks like and then to walk out and say I still took them with me I'm gonna have to care for myself like that's the important piece but I mean in my own practice like being a feeling person has really positively impacted my interactions and it has made some things really hard I deal a lot with death and dying I work yeah. in intensive care unit I worked in oncology before this and that part of me has been difficult but in a really beautiful way I mean, it's it's made me build these incredible relationships and I've I've had to grieve things, but I don't think I'd have it any other way. I had good professional boundaries. I was therapeutic and I knew that I did all that I could do, but truly it, it really warranted me the ability to build an authentic relationship with my patients and my clients that I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. And something that they don't necessarily talk about in like grief um, is something I'm very newly experiencing, like literally as of last week on my psych unit. It's um, grieving things that I see that I have no control over and that are just like really crappy. Um, and so like last week mm -hmm. I had such a hard week at a terrible weekend this morning, I woke up and I reflected and was like, okay, I was taking zero care of myself. <laughs> I wasn't waking up early enough. I wasn't taking my dog on a walk. I wasn't journaling, whatever. And I can mm -hmm. see that trend. And like, that's why my week went so bad. 
So, and whenever it comes to death and dying and whenever it comes to the jobs that we do because they're hard and we're working with populations going through something, like you have to have the self-awareness to be like, okay, here's where I am when I, I'm like not doing well. When I'm having really hard weeks, this is what I need to do to help mm-hmm. myself. So it's not a matter of like I can or can't because I was born a certain way. It's having the self-awareness to know how to take care of yourself and to deal with those situations. And if you don't have it, it's learning okay. how to get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every day I'm learning. <laughs> like, you should have seen me a week ago today. Um, so this is like all re- revelations I've had today. You know, like that's a part of why we're yeah. doing this podcast because we want to like be honest and like we're still going through these things. I still battle with the very question you posed every day. So <laughs> I have a question for everyone. Um, what do you do to let yourself feel your feelings? Or like what do you do to take care of yourself when you're feeling your feelings? Therapy, like music therapy brain or not? Just like what's something that you do for yourself? Me, it's journaling. I hate journaling. Like literally. <laughs> Does it, but she hates it. I hate it so much. But it's I, good for you, so yeah, you do it. I have to force it on myself. So like I always tell my patients and my clients um, that you have to, you cannot let it be in. You have to get it out, right? So for me, journaling is like huge and helps me get it out and like leave it out. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. No, that's good. Journaling. Journaling. You answered it very well. I hate it, but journaling. What about you, Amanda? Amanda, it's your turn. Yeah. I, therapists need therapists. Yeah. I love my therapist. Um, That's my, my biggest one. And I go on that soapbox to all my friends. Therapists need therapists. Um, I love songwriting for myself. So that's mm. part of my my minor is I'm a songwriting minor. I don't do it to release any music or for music therapy purposes, just for myself, for my brain. It's one of my like writing, journaling skills, um, making something creative out of something I'm struggling with. It's very therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and talking to friends and family, letting it out. Yeah, Queen. I like it. That's a lot of like processy e externaling externalizing yeah that's me (laughs) us too what the heck um i'm also songwriting as well i am one of my favorite songs i've ever written is such a sad song and i love it so much um this is terrible it's my dead baby song and i know that that is really alarming to some people and i hear you and i recognize that um but i saw there's a season in my job that i saw a lot of really really sad deaths and i just wrote this song about being in that moment with families and let me tell you every time i've had one that's just hit me to my core I sit down with my guitar by myself and I just play my song and just like feel the space that it holds. And man, that's some therapy for me. Aside from that, it's walking. Mm. Yeah. Grounding my feet on the ground and just boop, boop, boop about. It's great. It helps. Well, I want to come back to myself because like I also songwrite. I don't want to be left out. (laughs) You know, you songwrite Danielle. So after asking what we do to care for ourselves, I feel like we should play this game. And basically, it's going to be round robin or popcorn, if you will. But fun facts, it's just me, Danielle, and Amanda. So it's not going to be that complex. Danny and I have a couple questions we want to ask you, Amanda. And we think you might have a couple questions you want to ask us. So basically, we'll just go back yep. and forth until we're out of questions or out of time, if that works for you. Awesome. Sounds good. Sweet. Would you like for us to start or would you, you like to start? Um, I can start. Yes, go for it. Okay. Um... 
One of my biggest questions for professionals right now is just general tips from for going from student life to professional life, navigating getting a job that pays you enough, mm. navigating getting a job in the field, the part of the field that you want, um, going to full-time job hours, all of that. Uh, we just talk off each other. I'll start. Okay. You have to be graceful with yourself and you have to give yourself time to adjust. Amen. I've done this a couple times a couple different ways. I had to adjust when I went from internship to Destiny Studio whenever I worked there, and I'm still adjusting now to my current job. So you have to figure out what's best for you. There's no right or wrong. You just have to have grace for yourself, and I'm still learning that. Yeah. Um, on that side of the question, I think the thing that's been most impactful for me coming, coming off of it, the big transition and I've now been in the field for a few years and it took me a while to come off the big transition, but um, having that grace for myself and then just continually recognizing that this is a transition, this is not the way things will always be. And so mm -hmm. I think um, in leaving undergrad and going into the workforce and finding a job, um, there's a lot of grace that has to be had in a lot of areas. You're going to be told no, it's gonna happen. You're going to be told nothing. <laughs> sadly um uh, and it's not a no it's just a, they're not going to answer you because they don't sometimes um but the thing that i always reminded myself in looking for a job in pete's for a year more than a year for a year mm -hmm. and a half before i got one was um i only need one yes one good yes that's all i need yeah. and so for me i went into an interim position um as a music therapist, kind of school aid, ended up kind of working on a, building a program for a school in Nashville for kids with autism. And it has informed my practice so much. And the thing that I had to remember in applying for jobs, even though I was working in a space that was not pediatric music therapy, like pediatric medical music therapy, was how does this relate to what I want to do? Where am I transferring? How am I gonna generalize this? And that was a regular brain activity I had to do. Now, there's so many layers to the question that you asked, so I'm going to just kind of hit all of them <laughs> as much as I can. When it comes to pay, you, you want me to I'm going to you? jump in right here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, On Just on the job hunt front before okay, we wait. get into pay. Okay, okay, go ahead. The ugly truth is you either have to move for a job mm. or you have to forfeit or adjust what you want for population. Or you have to give it some time. Mm all of the above yeah probably all of the above yeah yeah neither morgan or i landed directly in into pete's okay i didn't even know that's what i wanted to do for a year ish um i don't know a single person who landed their dream job directly out of internship and that's just how it is i have friends looking for pediatric jobs now and you have to move for them they can't be in your hometown now, most of you, the time sometimes now, they are if you beat if you beat this i am so happy for you like i am thrilled for you like i hope to god every single one of you can beat the odds that i am saying right now but that is just what i have seen in my own life in my friends lives it's i mean literally every single one i can think of has landed in a interim position doing something mm -hmm. that they loved but wasn't the end all be all. Yeah, Is that I, partially pandemic related at all? Like I'm wondering how much is relating to just the time that we're in now. So I 
as crazy as this is, am a pre-pandemic, but I got my job in the pandemic in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. um, moved here from Nashville, Tennessee. People before <laughs> me that I have asked and just like sought supervision from, sought information from people that have mentored me and they've kind of said the same thing. It's a choice, right? And like, it's the, we're not saying you're never going to be in Pete's medicine. We're not saying that yeah. you always have to move. I just know that it's going to be a waiting game and, or mm-hmm. you're going to move and, or our field is in a really cool spot right now, because I don't think when Danielle and I were applying for jobs in general, we were where we are right now. There are a lot of Pete's medical jobs and really, I think there will be a lot more hospitals are starting to understand they've been understanding but the programs are growing I don't know that you're going to find a job where you are but Mm -hmm. just watching the trajectory as a program that's trying to grow jobs are being posted everywhere and it's a cool time to be applying for jobs in music therapy not that it's easy but good times and not just very relieving (laughs) yeah and not just hospital jobs are popping up everywhere it's every kind of job it's private practice it's in psych facilities Mm -hmm. it's in nursing homes I've seen the job site on Facebook like explode every single day. Um, So there are openings out there. For me personally, I had to move across the country for this job. Me too. So did Morgan. I I, wanted to. Yeah. I have friends who are like, honestly, the big question post-grad is, do you want your location or do you want your population? And that's for internship. I, I was told that, did I interrupt you? No. Okay. I was told that in undergrad before COVID even existed before, Mm -hmm. like I got my internship early and I remember they said that for internship and they said that for a job as well. You have to, you get to choose one. Um, and again, I think people beat the odds. I'm not going to say like, it's going to be like this forever. At some point in my life, I'm probably going to want to move to a new hospital and I'm hoping that I can time it at a place that it's near an area that I want to live in, you know? But it's yeah. just kind of a game, honestly. Yeah. Um, that's why the grace mm-hmm. is so important. And not to feel defeated in what we're saying, but to kind of accept it in a way. Because there's some, I mean, at least in my life, like, it's it's been the best adventure. I think I am an incredible music therapist because of the things I've gone through. Um, but I also hear that that might not be what people choose. Like, people might choose where they are over where they can go, which is extremely fair. It is a privilege to be able to move, and we know that. Yeah, absolutely. Something I've talked about with, um, like, some of my senior friends that are in internships is the importance of having skills that you can apply to related fields to music therapy. Yeah. Um, And I think that ties in so well with what you're saying. Like, time, you can take a job as, you know, a nanny or something relating to what we do and apply your knowledge and then wait for what you're looking for. I think I'd be a sick barista. I really considered it. I have a friend that quit private practice situation because she wanted to be able to be a barista and now she works part-time in a children's hospital and part-time as a barista and she's living her best life. Wow, that is the best of both worlds. She's really loving it. She never got to be a barista in college, so she was like, yeet, I'm doing it. I love that. (laughs) So yeah, I hope this doesn't like... No, it's it's real. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's real. And I I have so many people and like friends, my age like I'm only a year out of undergrad um who are in exactly what we're talking about and it's that transition phase and it's so uncomfy and it's so hard and like it just sucks a lot yeah like this phase of life is arguably the hardest like 
that mm-hmm. transition from grad to like adult that's like the whole reason we started this podcast is because it's so, so hard. hard and I love it so my one of my very best friends who's this lovely 50 year old woman I cried to her when I first started my job so much and I was like SOS what's happening and she was like girly your 20s are going to be hard. This is when you figure out who you're going to be. This is where you figure out what your life is going to look like. There is no way you can do them that they're going to be easy. So you just got to go through them and you're going to make it. And every single thing you do is going to help you help someone else later. Mm. And let me tell you, did Janice Foster say such truthful words to me? Because now I'm able to help others where I am now. Morgan, what were you going to say about pay? Ah, uh, <laughs> this is my soapbox that I will always stand on. Do not care who you are or how you identify always ask if the salary is negotiable always ask if the salary is negotiable and always shoot high um i had a internship supervisor my internship supervisor um i brought up the conversation of pay with her in my internship and i will never forget she looked at me with shock in her eyes and said you are the first woman to ever bring pay up to me and i was like girl what (laughs) what do you mean that is not okay and so Every time I have had a friend in music therapy, outside of music therapy, it doesn't matter where, I've told them to grit their teeth, grab their chair, and ask if the pay is negotiable. You are never going to get paid fairly unless you advocate for yourself. I don't know if this is the best decision, um, but I have been since I started my job at a certain amount of time. Until we had appropriate pay, I asked for it. I said, this is going to be the thing that ha- makes me leave this field. This is going to be the thing that makes me leave this job yeah. is not getting appropriately paid. I'm not saying that's the best route to go for you. That was the best route for me with my relationships that I have in my job. But it's important that you know that you are your advocate, especially when it comes to money. You will not get paid fairly mm-hmm. unless you ask for it. And you are not going to get high pay coming out of undergrad. I hope you do. I hope hope you do I hope you do under out of your master's as well I really really hope you do but I'm going to tell you they're going to shortchange you if you can if they can because it's a business no matter where you're going and if you ask for more the chances are they're going to say yes or they're going to say this is our pay base pay range which means basically everyone around you started there too nobody gets special treatment or they're going to give you what you're asking for um a good resource for me as I was coming out of internship um was the AMTA workforce analysis. Yes, I read through that when I was making the MTA now graphics for this year, which is part of why I brought up that question because that was so sad. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's such a conversation that at least in my undergrad, like when I started here, they were like, we have 100% job placement. And there was such an emphasis on everyone gets jobs and our program is very successful, which it is. And I'm very grateful that I landed here, Um, but like I've seen people from this program go out of music therapy because of things like that. And I feel like it's such an important conversation and I wish um, more professionals were that real. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's hard. We're not going to lie to you. I, we, I wish that stepping into the field straight out of undergrad, out of any degree, that there was this financial stability that came with it. I lived at home. I did not. I lived with my grandma. That's a lie. I forgot. I lived with my grandma for a stint, but it's being in the music therapy profession in general is a privilege. And I think there's a lot of dialogue about that. Um, But stepping into the level of pay is also a privilege because some of us can get support. Some of us can't, but that's something that's really important to address. Things that were also important that I didn't understand until I was more of an adult than I am, than I was back then, I guess who I am now, whatever. Okay. Um, 
benefits. There are different things that people will put into mm -hmm. your pay that make makes your pay actually more than it seems. So it looks like more than's going in your pocket because you're getting health benefits, because they're going to help you pay for your master's degree because of these things. So as you're looking for jobs, yes, look at how much money they're going to pay you, but also, also consider the different layers of things they'll provide you the benefits, if you will. That's a great point. This is the most important point. You are the person that's going to advocate for yourself, for your pay, for your job, for the life that you want. And you have to step into that and fight for it. That's just the way it's, it is in our profession right now. And I think it's the way it's going to be. Yeah. And on that happy note, we have a question for you. <laughs> so, so great. Okay. We believe in you guys. Just PS. Okay. <laughs> if anyone has any great tips on pay. I don't feel like I can ask this question us, no. now. What? <laughs> because. Which one? What are your thoughts, hopes, and fears post grad oh. <laughs> Outside of pay, if there, if there are any fears <laughs> outside of pay and getting a job where you want to get a job, where are your thoughts, hopes, and fears post-grad right now? Or did we touch them all? Um, I feel like compassion fatigue and burnout and like the physical mental health part of our job is something I've seen a little bit of even in my practicum. Um, I have anxiety and related GI issues. And I don't by any means have like chronic illness. It is not debilitating. It is in the scheme of life, pretty minor. Um, but our job uses so much of our body and it is hard. And I feel like that is also something that people don't talk enough about. Um, and something that I had a lot of struggle with last semester in my practicum, I would do um, groups of early intervention preschoolers mm. and I would come home and be like, that is it my voice is gone i'm so tired i have to take a shower and sit in the dark now <laughs> like it was so much given personally for me that is not the best setting for my health um but also i feel like that's just not super talked about a lot like selecting populations and jobs and where you are based on your health and your ability to function well as a therapist in that setting how do you navigate that as professionals like balancing your own like health versus your job woof That's what <laughs> I say. woof this is okay i like something that came to mind your voice i was so stressed about my voice in school as a professional i have developed a tolerance and a um like a muscle for it yeah in mm -hmm. school it's unfair do not make like schooling your um, your baseline or like what you feel like you have to base it off of because it's just different. Are you talking about your voice specifically? Yeah, like your voice specifically. Because it's for me, like it was used in like two voice lessons a week. It was used in an ensemble. It was used yeah. in practicum. It was used Very burnt out. in um, seminars. Like I was using it in such a different way and more than I am now. I have not, since becoming a professional, had any issues with my voice, and I had issues with my voice all throughout undergrad. That's just my experience, but. Well, that's that's also really relieving because I dealt with vocal health issues when I'm not classical, and so I'm still building up that technique that I feel like a lot of classical vocalists already have, um, and that was something so scary to me. I was like, how am I going to sustain professional life if I'm getting vocally burnt out from one hour of practicum a week, but. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I'm thinking of like myself coming out of undergrad and doing classical voice and kind of the same. I was in the same point. I feel like there's this recovery point. Step one, there's a recovery point after <laughs> school. 
where your body and your brain and your mind just kind of like melts and you're like, I'm out of it, man. I can be my own person and my voice is different. I'm using it differently, all these things. And then I feel like you develop this professional voice, this professional persona, there's professional, all of these things, at least in my, my life. And in what Danielle said, I was basically the same. I found myself adjusting, truly just adjusting. And now I did definitely, I've definitely had days where I'm like, shoot, my voice is shot. But I will tell you, I reached back in my little brand and I'm like, well, Morgan, what was your quality like? Were you singing with good breath control? Were you singing in the ways that you were taught and leaning back on that education and those exhausting times? I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I can do this better next time. And so kind of mirroring my professional self, professional voice with my academic self, academic voice, I was able to meet this middle ground where I can use my voice a lot in a day and I'm tired, but I can recover. Now, that is just my voice. I will tell you energy level, starting a new job in internship. It's tough. Your body is not used to thinking that much or moving that much or doing that much. Most likely, maybe yours is, mine wasn't. Um, and I was pooped every day. I'd come home, I'd do a little bit of work, and then I would go to sleep. Or if I was babysitting, I'd babysit, and then I would go to sleep because I tried to work while I was in internship. And um, that was something, another place I had to give myself a lot of grace and just recognize that it's a transition. It's another one of those things I did adapt. I can do so much now, and I am not pooped when I get home. I'm still a person, but it took time. And it's, like we said earlier, about that really intentional self-care. Yeah. That's the only way. Yeah. Like, if I let myself, I would come home every single day, sit on my couch until it was 9 o'clock and I went to bed. There was a season where that's all I did, and that's okay if that's what you need. Absolutely. <laughs> For me that's personally, too. yeah. For me personally, I had to make a choice of, like, I can't do that because my, my personal mental health does not benefit from that whatsoever. So even if my body is, like, giving me these cues, it's, like, this fine line of listening but also doing what you know is, like, good for you. As far as, like, the, like, physical demands, literally today I was on my knees for an hour. And, like, I stood up and was like, oh, no. So this is a tip I have in all of the physical demands. Adapt early. There is a stool. There is a chair. There are these really dope, wipeable, collapsible stools that Morgan, we got. Morgan got me one, and it's very helpful. It's very helpful. Aww. Your body is young now, right? Maybe, maybe it is physically able in that way right now. Maybe it's not. You have to meet your needs. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to provide support for your physical body. Let me tell you, something mm -hmm. that's the most important for me working in a hospital, I have good shoes. I walk a lot. I stand a lot. I do sit a lot as well. But um, good shoes and then a knee pad was always very important for me. I just use, like, blankets rolled up in a room if I have to sit on my, sit on my knees. But just food for thought. I will say, don't count yourself out because of one experience in college. Accurate. Even if that practicum is really hard for you and you're like, oh my gosh, like the physical demands, the vocal demands, um, I don't think it's a good, accurate representation of what you could do. So you if know, like being that's- in my practicum this semester has redeemed that a lot for me that I think for me that was a setting-based thing. Um, groups are so different than individuals. Groups of preschoolers are so different. <laughs> accurate. And I think that's just one of those populations that I know for me will take a lot more from me than it will from other people mm. and that's okay absolutely um, even the healthy people that were there i was there with interns and they were sick all the time and no one was very like 
in great shape with their health being there. So for me to come in and already have a couple things going on, I think it just took too much for me personally in that setting, but it's also what you learn in your practicum, what you like and what you don't like. Right, (laughs) absolutely. And something that's really important in what you just said is something I've noticed in becoming a new professional. Look around and notice what other people do. Only put Mm -hmm. on what works for you. If it does not support you well, if it does not represent you well, you don't got to put it on. Just because they're a professional, just because they've been doing it for years, doesn't mean that it's the best Mm -hmm. way. It doesn't mean that it's the best way for your body, for your person, whatever. Um, That has been a Mm -hmm. skill that has been super beneficial with me in dealing with that compassion fatigue that you mentioned. I have a lovely team and I have seen many people Mm -hmm. in the medical setting just burn themselves out with compassion fatigue purely because they don't know how to be resilient in their compassion or like are self-aware enough to let themselves through their feelings or whatever. And when Mm -hmm. I first started my job, I looked to them and was like, okay, that's what this looks like. They've been in the field for years, not music therapy specifically, but just in general, that's what that looks like. That's what I'm going to do. And rapidly I found out that that is not the way that it works for Morgan. I would not laugh (laughs) if that's the way I did it. And I had a little baby burnout session and I was like, we have got to re um, readdress this and re reconfigure what this is going to look like for me. And let me tell you, I'm a much stronger music therapist because of it. But when I learned that I actually do know what's best for me and that I can advocate for myself within myself, uh, I really grew a lot as a therapist. Yeah. And don't be afraid to like change your mind. I think for, for like burnout and like, I'm sure this is something we'll touch on a lot, but like you may think you know what you want and then you do it and you're like, oh shoot maybe this isn't what I want. Like, it's okay to change your mind, especially in this age. I feel like an undergrad, and let me know if you have this mindset. I felt like I had to work in the population I did my internship in, or I felt like if I don't have experience Mm -hmm. in it, I can't do that thing. But it's not true. Music therapy is so vast Mm -hmm. and offers so many different opportunities. There's areas for growth in your professional life. Do you have that feeling, Amanda? Have you ever felt that before? I think here it's a lot more of an emphasis on like what is your favorite population Mm. throughout undergrad where I thought before I had that practicum last semester I wanted to do early intervention that was my favorite I work with infants and children and groups in non-music therapy settings and I love it so I was not expecting to have that experience Mm. um and I think the grace for ourselves as students to not know what we want while we're students (laughs) because that's okay that was more of the pressure I think everyone's like, what do you want to do? Like, what population is your favorite? Yeah. You don't have to know. I definitely heard that a lot in in my undergrad experience as well. Everybody was just looking at each other and being like, what do you like? What do you like? Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right. You don't have to know. And I'll tell you the identity that I had. I was a thousand percent going into adult psych. A thousand percent. (laughs) Let me tell you, that is not where I am now. I have had experience in it because of my internship and I loved it, but... It just was not what I needed at where I am now. It's not what I wanted for myself. Um, and so I think one thing that was important for me in exiting my undergrad to go into a professional is letting myself accept a new identity in music therapy. Um, I'm big on mental health. I'm big on um, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, all of these just like psychotherapy things. And I thought that I had to live in a realm with those things. I didn't. It all changed. Everything's different. I use those things, transfer, transferable, like I said before, but um, my identity in music therapy completely shifted as I entered the field. Amen. I mean, I started in private practice and look at me now. 
look at me. And not because, like, I'll never go back to private practice. Just because it's what's right for me now. Don't put yourself in a box. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a question. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Um, Amanda, I want to know, what is something that you wish professionals knew from students? From the perspective you are now, if you were looking at a bunch of professionals and you were like, hear us, we're students. Is there anything you feel like you're hearing your cohorts say? Um, I know that's a hard, heady question, but I'm just genuinely curious. I I mean, most of what we touched on already. Um, okay. Salary, like the nitty gritty stuff that our professors don't necessarily talk to us about all the time. But um, something I was also thinking about just being in my senior year is like your support system because you don't have like a built-in cohort anymore. Mm. Like, I guess like we are curious as students how you, because I've heard a lot of professionals say going through internship, you need a really solid support system. Where do you get that from if it's not built into your life based on your relationships or based in your cohort if you're just in the job world? How do you make that happen and how do we do that? My advice is to keep in touch with your cohort, your your mm-hmm. college friends and like your class and like the classes above you and below you are your built in people. Never be afraid to go to them. One of the things like I am just like most proud of myself in is I am not afraid to call up Morgan, to call up friends from college, to call up my internship supervisor, Karen. I call her on a weekly basis. And hopefully, like, she'll never take that back. She'll never be like, Danielle, you have to stop calling me. But, like, I am, I have absolutely no shame in calling somebody and being like, what the heck do I do? Or I'm really struggling with this. So I really pride myself on my ability to, like, shamelessly ask for help. I encourage you to do that so much. And I encourage you to keep in touch with your current cohort. That is your, like, natural support system. I don't know how you find a support system like beyond that like because that's been my experience and like in this new job I had Morgan built in so I've just been really lucky I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that so yes because my cohort kind of imploded (laughs) as I was leaving my undergrad it was a rough time shout out to anybody that's listening right now um but in that I felt really isolated going out of undergrad um some of my relationships with my close friends like fizzled and my cohort just no none of that not there so I had a rough time for a minute and I'll tell you I so I interned at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center at an adult psychiatric old psychiatric hospital and then the children's hospital up there and that internship has a senior intern and junior intern you like switch each time so you get an opportunity to be a senior opportunity to be a junior I had built-in friends in my internship my co-intern um Mm -hmm. one of them is now one of my absolute best friends in the world I think Mm -hmm. for me finding connection because of the isolation that I experienced coming out of my undergrad required me to maintain an open mind I lived in a new city had the very big privilege of living in a new city for my internship and I took advantage of it I was like, I'm going to be here for six months and I'm going to live it the heck up. I went to festivals. I talked to random people. I am an extrovert. I made friends. And Pittsburgh is now one of my favorite cities in the country. I love it. It's such a special place to me. 
and it was because I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. Um, I found community in like like-minded groups. <laughs> I've met here in Jacksonville a few friends at my favorite plant shop. I literally went up to random people and mm -hmm. said, hi, I'm new here. Um, are you from here? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. At least where we live, most people are not from Jacksonville. So it's typically a fun conversation mm -hmm. to figure out where they're from. Um, but my biggest encouragement is allow yourself to push out of your comfort zone and understand that it's okay if you're not friends with you, friends with people you'd expect to be friends with. And it's okay if you are and you make connections with people. I'll tell you, starting at this hospital with no music therapists, I leaned on my internship supervisor. I leaned on Danielle <laughs> and a couple of other music therapy friends that kind of came through the cracks that I didn't realize I still had, which was lovely. Um, but I also leaned on people that were not music therapy at all. I have a team of child life specialists who are incredible women and they have been so supportive of me. I have some social workers in my experience that have been supportive of me, an occupational therapist who's been a super good friend of mine. I think reaching out of my comfort zone is what warranted me the support system that I did not have. It was really hard for me. <laughs> I love people so much and I just like love to have friends. And so moving to new places and not having them was really hard. But um, for me, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and understanding that my support system wasn't going to look like I expected mm -hmm. and then just stepping into it was really powerful. I also think you need to keep doing what you're doing, Amanda. With the, um, <laughs> with the, with your Instagram account. And if anyone's listening and they don't have a, um, exploding Instagram account like Amanda, um, <laughs> social media, man. I mean, social media can be a dangerous thing. It is thing, so, but... so powerful. Even like when I started my internship, um, I'm not internship. Oh my gosh. My practicum. <laughs> um, not there yet. Um, I asked just like advice for pediatric medical music therapy. And then I was also wondering about getting an iPad and specifically for music therapy. And I got so much like helpful advice just from a space on social media. And I would really recommend like music therapy world can be so super supportive. And now I just have all of these wonderful humans through Instagram that can help out and it's nice. Which if you're listening, rely on Amanda's account. Rely on Music Therapy Ed now. Rely on MTPT Pod. Yeah. Like that's part of what we're doing here is yeah. hopefully creating and cultivating a community um, that can support each other for when making connections feels hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing we want is for our music therapists that are alone to feel alone. Yeah. We want to be able to make you laugh or connect with you in any way that yeah. we can. We want you to see that you are not alone, even if it feels like you are, and that you can have community everywhere. You just yeah. have to kind of look for it. It's hard though. We know yeah, that was so. a that was the big reason I started my Instagram. Like right in the middle of COVID, there were some upperclassmen here that had music therapy Instagrams, and it was just really cool to see the connections you can make even if you're not able to do as many in person things like we weren't at the time. Yeah, you still connect still with people all over. Yeah. yeah, that's so yeah. powerful. All right, we only have a couple of minutes. Amanda, any burning questions? Morgan, any burning? So in the honor of being music till proven therapy, I have two questions. One, what is something you feel like you're still learning? And two, what is one thing that you know to be true in your life right now? I can go first. Okay. Something that I'm still learning is how to have grace with myself. Something that I know to be true is that I can do what I can with what I have, where I am at all times. And that's all I can do. You stole mine. 
What was yours? <laughs> I'm learning how to still have grace for myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had a really hard week last week, and this week I'm learning how to take it day by day and not so have so many tough expectations on myself. Um, and what I know to be true is that I'm meant to be where I'm at now. Like, I'm meant to be recording this podcast with the both of you right now. I'm meant to be in the city I am at right now. I'm meant to be this dog's mom right now. Like, nice. I'm confident in where my feet are planted. We love that. Awesome. Amanda. I, I am still learning how to balance it all mm. and what to expect and how to cope with transitions to student and professional life. Um, but I know that I love music therapy. I'm very passionate about advocacy and, and being a part of what we do and making it better. Awesome. Yes. And you're going to do those things. And like the thing about, I don't mean to like elaborate on this, but like the thing about transitioning and like all that is like, it's, it's ever growing. You're never going to know. No, nope. yeah. you'll get through one to go to another and you'll figure it out every time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Amanda, we love you. It's been a pleasure. Truly. <laughs> I love you guys. This has been so fun. <laughs> we are so thrilled to have you and you've been the best first guest ever. We uh, told Thank Amanda you. this, but like, we just really wanted our first story time and our first guest to really like encapsulate what we would like to do, which is to make this connection between professionals and students. And this is a great first step. And we also don't know how to do this. So like we figured Amanda would be the perfect guinea pig. <laughs> which she was. Shout yeah. out to her. Always, She's perfect. Always happy to be a part of this. <laughs> Any last words? Amanda, please tell them again what your um your Instagram handle is. Where where can they find you? Yes. Is Amanda B Music Therapy. I also am the vice president of the American Music Therapy Association students, which is AMTAS. Um, and I run that Instagram as well. So it is underscore AMTAS underscore. Yeah, I run a lot of Instagrams. Yeah, you <laughs> a follow over there. Yeah, and um, um, if yeah. you if you liked what you listened to today, follow us at MTPT Pod on the Instagram. We have a website. Woo! mtptpod.com yeah official i love Uh, it that's where you can find the wheel which um is where you can find interventions that we drop and the uh materials that you need there um like and subscribe our to our podcast leave us a review and we're so excited that uh amanda was here and we're so excited that you guys are listening and hope you gained a little something something from this today thanks guys all right bye amanda bye